It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 414 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, November 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. we got team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, and you can find those all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. We've also got college shows for you. If you're interested in a particular college program, like, I don't know, say Duke, for example, with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and that... Uh, just crazy Harlem Globetrotters ass team they have down there. Make sure you're checking out Locked On Duke. And if you find any show on the network that you like, please subscribe to, rate, and review it on iTunes. It's the best way to support the shows and the hosts and make sure they're getting visible in their own rankings and collecting new listeners. And I appreciate so much all of the people who have left a rating on the Locked On Raptors page. There's like 165 of you at this point. Like, you're all just kings and queens and the best people in the world so thank you so much for that and if you haven't left a rating or review yet and would like to reach king or queen status please do so it is the best way to uh stroke my ego and make us visible and and put us up in the rankings we've been doing pretty well in the rankings of late and it's all because of you guys all right, on today's show, it's a little crossover action with myself and Jake Madison, who's the uh, host of Locked On Pelicans. I like the Pelicans a lot. They're like my second team. I talk about them sometimes on the podcast. I just enjoy everything about them. King Cake Baby, Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, Joel Myers. It's a good, good team to watch, a very good league pass team, and I enjoy them. I, I like their underdog nature. I like, I like a lot of stuff about them. And, and myself and Jake Madison, we've kind of been talking about making like a trade for our fandoms type thing because uh, I think the Pelicans rule he's a big fan of the Raptors and how they're playing so we're kind of uh, using this today's podcast first as a little bit of a preview for, for Monday's game but also uh, to discuss why the opposing fans the Pelicans fans should like the Raptors and why the Raptors fans should like the Pelicans it's a, a bit of a sell job from both of us it's a fun concept it's an interesting podcast it's weird it's different but I enjoyed it so hope you enjoy it too just one thing before we get to the podcast, the conversation with myself and Jake, please make sure you're checking out my Patreon page. If you're interested in extra Raptors content, if you have the means and you want to support something you like, please consider it. It's uh, it's nice to support the things you value, and it helps me to uh, justify doing extra work and, and, and putting in the work to make pretty fun and interesting and kind of deep diving content for you guys. So this week's episode of Primo's Pasta and Ross, which is the premium podcast on my Patreon page, it is an episode of... Uh, where myself and Katie Heindel of The Athletic, of Vice, of this podcast quite frequently, we talk all about the Raptor. It's a good episode. We dive into a whole bunch of different things, all the different iterations of the Raptor, his Achilles tear and the fallout from that, uh, his late career, you know, maybe decline in athleticism. Talked about a whole bunch of things with the Raptor, other mascots around the league as well. It's very, very good and fun, and Katie rules. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, please consider chipping me five bucks to get access to that on the Patreon page. It's uh, patreon.com slash Raptors. And uh, again, if you don't want to, that's totally okay. There's no problem. There's no obligation or anything like that. But if you support 
if you want to support my work and you like what I do, that is the best way to uh, show that in a monetary form, I suppose. Anyway, um, we'll get to the conversation now with Jake. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. Actually, that's a lie. I have another bonus episode coming on Monday. Myself and Dave Dufour, who hosts uh, the On the NBA podcast himself, he's also hosting a bunch of stuff on the Count the Dings network right now. So that's going to be fun. Make sure you are tuning in for that because on Monday, myself and Dave Dufour are going to be breaking down all the ramifications of the Jimmy Butler trade for the Eastern Conference and the Raptors and all that good stuff. So stay tuned. That'll drop around noon on Monday. If you're hearing this in the morning, you get another podcast coming to you. I'll probably do a podcast after the Pelicans game from the arena as well. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, so yeah, you'll be loaded with content the early part of the week. You'll be loaded all week because I have a very free and open week so I can record podcasts all day if I want to. So uh, look ahead to a fun week. We have uh, Katie Heidel coming on later in the week as well. So that'll be good as always. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it. I'll stop talking. I'm rambling on now. Now is time for my conversation with Jake Madison about why the Pelicans are cool, why the Raptors are cool, and how they're going to match up on Monday night. Enjoy it. And before you listen to the conversation, please also make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network social feeds on Twitter and Instagram. We're doing some really cool things. We're taking clips of podcasts and putting them into Instagram posts. We have a Locked On Twitter feed at Locked On NBA Net where they're retweeting the hosts from the entire network. So if you don't want to go around and follow all 60-something hosts who are on the network, you can just... You know, follow these feeds, Locked on NBA Net, Locked on NFL Net, and you'll get all those tweets in one place. Retweeted all the best tweets, all the NBA basketball-related tweets on the Locked on NBA Net feed. And it's a, it's a really great resource to have. Good for when breaking news is happening, if you want a whole bunch of stuff right in one place. And uh, it's great during games as well for, for live tweeting stuff like that. So follow Locked on NBA Net on Twitter. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, that's going to do it finally. Long-ass intro, I apologize. Here is the conversation with myself and Jake Madison. So, Sean, you and I wanted to do this before the season started because in the preseason, we were both talking, and I was like, I really like the Raptors. You seem to really like the Pelicans. Mm. And we kind of just made an unofficial trade here of <laughs> the Toronto Raptors are now my East, uh, my Eastern Conference team. I'm d- officially declaring the trade finalized now. We can announce it. No sources or anything. It is the <laughs> truth. 12-1 and Raptors. Why should Pelicans fans be rooting for them? Okay, so there are a few reasons. I think, like, first of all, they're a really fun and good team to watch, and there's never a point in the game where it's, like, going to be, like, a lull, right? Because there are so many good players on the Raptors that there's always interesting dudes on the court. So when the buzzsaw of a starting five isn't on the court, you have DeLon Wright out there, Euro-stepping dudes, and you have, even when Norm Powell's healthy, he's not right now, but even Norm Powell's capable of big dunks here and there, CJ Miles is just like, his smile lights up the room, so that's a nice little element to have as well. Just, oh, you gotta like happy people, right? Exactly, exactly, like OG Ananobi, 
So OG does this thing where he tries to dunk on people all the time, and he hasn't really connected on one of these thunder dunks just yet, but he's so ambitious with them that it's not really that crazy that he hasn't connected because they're really hard dunks. But one day, one is going to actually fall down, and he's going to absolutely end somebody. And I think you want to be part of that. I think you want to be you know, emotionally invested in watching OG Ananobi crown somebody the way that he really seems to want to, just hasn't quite been able to do yet. So there's that. It's just... They're a really fun team with a lot of good players. And then beyond that, there's just like a... I don't know. I think there's something admirable about what the Raptors did over the last five years. And then this year, right? They go from potentially being a tanking team and considering doing that and just like bailing themselves out because James Dolan didn't want to trade for Kyle Lowry because he was scared of Masai Ujiri. And they took that and they got good by accident, kind of. And they kind of rode that wave and they were patient and they didn't get, you know, deterred by playoff losses or disappointments. And they held strong with their head coach and their best players. And they were like, all right, let's keep running this back. Like, this is the best this team has ever been. Why not see how far this can go? And then I think there's a lot to the idea of Masai Ujiri really sort of showing some, like, without a better word for it, balls in making the trade to get Kawhi Leonard because that was not an easy PR move to make at the time. People love DeMar DeRozan in Toronto, absolutely adore him, and with Kawhi Leonard's uncertain status health-wise and whether he was even going to come to Toronto, I mean, the night the trade happened, we had Chris Haynes tweeting like, oh, Kawhi has no interest in playing in Toronto. There was a lot of backlash to that trade from Masai Ujiri, but he went for it anyway because when are you going to get a player this good on your team, and when is there ever going to be a trade market that is this depressed where the Raptors could get in on a conversation for a guy like that? And he just did it. And, uh, you know, the decision to move on from Dwayne Casey as well was a big leap of faith and, you know, a, a real sort of change from the the culture of, I guess, just like having a strong foundation and kind of knowing exactly what it was going to be every single day under Dwayne Casey and kind of going with a new, a new direction with Nick Nurse where it's a bit more experimental. It's not quite as predictable. And I think all of those moves after five years of being really good in kind of a, you know, organic, unexpected way to turn that into what they are now, which is a 12-1 and basketball team with a top five player suddenly on the roster and a bunch of other guys on the team who are homegrown. They're drafted late in the first round, second round, undrafted free agents. There's just a lot of admirable stuff for this team that I think, you know, for fans of other teams, it's not like they were handed everything, right? They kind of earned everything they got along the way. Every move they made was precisely made, and I, I think Masai Ujiri deserves a ton, a ton of credit for that. The players deserve a ton of credit for it, for kind of going against what people would have expected from them. So, yeah, they're just like a, a, a noble team to root for, I suppose. I guess that would be my, uh, I guess, five-minute, I, I guess we're at this point, <laughs> sell on why you should root for the Raptors. So I like a lot of that, and the way I kind of look at it is look at how many teams kind of just do the same thing over and over. Like, look, there was nothing wrong with what was going on in Toronto in years prior to, say, like last season and everything. You know what? They were the, the one seed last year doesn't go their way or whatever it is but that's a good stretch of success and instead of being complacent with that knowing they likely weren't going to win a title sorry uh, (laughs) no 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 harm done (laughs) they 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 were bold and went for it and it reminds me of the pelicans a couple of years ago with the trade for demarcus cousins like Mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to make a move to make a move and shake things up otherwise you end up like the damn wizards who are just the biggest (laughs) train wreck that should be a good team but isn't and, like, that's nice to root for. Also, look, 
I like any team that's going to pull a star player, a top five guy, top ten guy, out of the Western Conference yeah. and put him on their team, and now they're winning, and maybe he stays in Toronto and doesn't go to the Lakers or someone. That would be wonderful since I root for the Pelicans here. And also, you're not Boston, who's been constantly trying to trade for Anthony Davis. Yeah. So I love that. <laughs> I would argue also the just the fact that the Raptors are one of the obstacles in the way of the Boston Celtics who like they don't need anything more good like come on they've had their fun they've won their titles they're obnoxious for the most part like the Raptors are sort of a, a, a you know a, a beacon of hope against the evil dark of this of the Celtics I guess I would say so that I think works in their favor as well if you're looking for them to be your second team um, for me, I love the Pelicans. You don't have to convince me on the Pelicans. I love Anthony Davis. I've loved him ever since he was in college. He's like one of the only college players I actually tuned into college basketball to watch because I just don't really care. It's like him and now RJ Barrett, and those are the only two guys I really care about in college. And I, I just, I love the way he plays. I love just how physical and ferocious he is and how just sort of daunting he seems to be as an opponent. He's great. Love Anthony Davis. The unibrow is a is a nice, a nice little trademark thing as well, too. That should stay forever. That I was kind of heartbroken when I thought he was going to pluck it. And then, just like the... I like the plucky underdog nature of New Orleans as an NBA city. No one really seems to think it's an NBA city. And I like that it keeps going. And I like that in, in, in the face of all of the... You know, there's going to be this move for they're going to trade Anthony Davis or he's going to leave or whatever. I like in the face of all of that, they're still trying to be good and trying to build a real team around him. And then also King Cake Baby is my favorite thing in the entire NBA, but that's besides the point. So you don't have to sell me, but is there anything in there that I missed that maybe if a Raptors fan is like, oh, maybe the Pelicans beat my other team, maybe I'm like they're on the market for a second team in the Western Conference, what would be your sales pitch? Wait, okay, hold on. I've got to ask about King Cake Baby. Yeah, first. So always. He's yeah. your fa- favorite thing from like a he's terrifying perspective, and you like horror movies, and you like being scared, or for I don't other even reasons? I don't even like horror movies particularly. I think King Cake Baby as a mascot. And I did, like, a, a Patreon podcast pretty much about mascots. We talked about the raptor, but King Cake Baby, of course, came up because I love him. Um, this past week I did that. But so I, I, I think about King Cake Baby more than I should. I think the the concept of going <laughs> against the grain with the sort of evil, terrifying mascot. Like, I loved original Pierre the Pelican as well for this exact reason. I like scary mascots. I like Gritty, the, the Philadelphia Flyers' new mascot. I like you know, sort oh, of, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I like mascots with a uncertain origin story. I, I, I just, I like going against <laughs> the idea of a cuddly, cute mascot who will be nice to kids and, and get the crowd riled up. I like the idea of a mascot going up and knocking on people's doors unexpected and giving them tickets, but then scaring the, day, the daylights out of them in this, at the same time. I just, there's something about King Cake Baby that I love. He's sassy on Twitter, which also works for me. I just, it's, I can't really explain it. No one really seems to get it, but I adore it. It's obviously, it's a New Orleans local themed thing as well, which is always, you know, a bonus in my book. Just King Cake Baby forever. He should be like maybe the next coach of the team if things don't work out with Alvin Gentry. Well, so funny story, and then we'll actually talk about Alvin Gentry and the team. It was Mason Ginsburg, who writes for BourbonStreetShots.com, who, mm. where I used to write for, is a real good friend of mine, created the unofficial King Cake Baby Twitter handle and was the one getting like all the retweets from Zach Lowe when he would tweet <laughs> things at him from this. And then the team 
because they claimed that Mason was infringing on their trademark, took over the Twitter handle after like writing, like filing a ticket with Twitter, claiming that like it this is theirs and they should do it. And they <laughs> stole the King Kate Baby Twitter handle from him and had been running it exactly the same. But it's this blogger who did this originally as a joke, and then the team thought it was so good they they like literally stole it from him. That's amazing. That I didn't know so, that. That adds to the rich backstory of King Cake Baby, and I appreciate that, and it makes me love him even more. There, there we go. <laughs> On the court stuff, Yeah, <laughs> you were talking about thundering dunks and things like that. We've probably got the best here in the league at that in Anthony Davis, who one day is going to grab a ball from the moon and completely throw it down and posterize someone, mm-hmm. and then we're going to break court and everything and have to start the game over, but it's going to happen. And then you've just got guys on this team kind of, like you said, they're kind of a bit of an underdog story, a small market in the Western Conference that's almost like trying to crack that glass ceiling and bust through. And they're doing every single thing they can. Bad trades at times, certainly with Dell Demps. Good trades at times, too, with DeMarcus Cousins when he was healthy. But they're doing what they can to compete and not just kind of be relegated to that second-tier, third-tier, fourth-tier status. So, mm-hmm. And they found you know a group of players, finally, that kind of fit what works around Anthony Davis. You want a team that's fast. We've all known about their pace. And just getting out and running, playing in transition, shooting at the rim, whatever they can. It's, a, it's just kind of fun basketball to watch. This isn't just wind the clock down. I don't watch college probably for the same reasons that you don't. It's too slow and other things like that. It's the opposite thing here in New Orleans. It's almost so fast you can barely keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Drew Holiday's kind of an underrated player, as weird as it is for a guy who made the all-defensive first team last year. But he's probably one of the best two-way guards in the league. Mm-hmm. You've got that kind of mix there. You've got a fun player like Nikola Mirotic and his beard thing and his shooting and all of that. Alfred Payton's kind of a good comeback story, a local guy coming home, trying to do well and revive his NBA career and it's been going well we stole a player from the Lakers Julius Randle that's kind of always <laughs> fun and it looks like they could use him now yeah. and at least it's like you're not picking the top team in the West here you know if you're looking to kind of jump on a bandwagon no one's going to accuse you of going for the Lakers or going for the Warriors you don't want to be that guy that lady yeah. but here like New Orleans is a safe pick it's also a team that is not destined to like poop the bed in the playoffs all the time and I think that's because they have Anthony Davis right it's not like you're picking a team with like a pseudo star like the you know even just like the old versions of the Raptors with DeMar DeRozan as likable as those teams were you always knew there was going to be a cap on what they could do whereas with Anthony Davis like he kind of has a ceiling that is worth buying into and maybe it's not a title because the Warriors exist and that's a bummer for everybody but like Anthony Davis can do something unexpected and carry the Pelicans to a series win in like just emphatic fashion like he did against the Blazers last year and that's really cool to watch it's cool to be sort of front row for the emergence of a star the first couple times the the, the guys going through the the playoffs and kind of taking those steps so I think that's a big thing Drew Holiday as well I love him so much like he is one of my favorite players not to like him like there's just he's also just like the greatest human I think I've ever talked to in sports which is a nice thing too yeah, he seems like an excellent dude, and the thing I like about Drew Holiday, and I think the thing that Raptors fans can probably relate to, is that like he's probably on that short list of guys like Kyle Lowry, who maybe is a bit underappreciated outside of sort of the local perspective of the team, 
And but like when you watch the team and you kind of get get a, like kind of a, a more innate understanding of what's going on with the team, you realize like, oh, this guy's incredible. He is so critical to the functioning of this team, and he should be viewed as something much better or, or higher, more highly regarded than he actually is. Like Kyle Lowry is has been over the last five years like one of the top fifteen players in the league by so many advanced metrics met, metrics, and I think Drew Holiday is kind of similar, maybe not quite to the same extent, but like. That dude is awesome. He was so great against the Blazers last year. It was really cool to see him kind of have that explosion of a series after all he all he's gone through as well with his injuries and his wife. And uh, just shouts to Drew Holiday. He's really easy to root for. So another reason why the Pelicans are awesome. He's also rocking this awesome kind of headband thing that's got like the ninja look going on. If you right. can play when he's flying around, it's like a Karate Kid type of thing <laughs> going on. So we've been referring to him as um, Kung Fu Juru this year, which is pretty fun. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I dig it. I dig the kind of Ninja Turtle look he's going for. And it's just like a little thing. And it's like, yes, finally someone's doing something like this. It just makes it more fun to watch. He's pulling it off way better than Kyrie Irving ever did. That's for sure. Um, Wait, did Kyrie have one of those? I think he had a similar thing, yeah. I think he was going for it. But oh, he gave yeah. up on it because... Holiday's rocking it better. Yeah, because the Celtics are an embarrassment. And, uh, you know, Kyrie felt the pressure, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Um, also, I like... Here's the thing. If there's one drawback to me with the Pelicans is that they aren't as aesthetically pleasing from, like, a jersey and court design perspective that they could be. Like, they are so rich with potential to be the best dressed team in the league with the best colors and they've kind of missed the boat on that a little bit i like their red jerseys those are really good but their blues are kind of boring their whites are kind of boring their court i know there's some people like the colorless sort of silhouette designs on it i would prefer something a little bit more with a bit more pop because it's new orleans that should be colorful it should have this is true purple and green streamers and all this stuff and it kind of reminds me every time they, they bring out, like, these amazing, perfect city jerseys that, that, that they've had the last couple of years. They're two different ones now, but they're both great. Like, I just – they could be so much better in that regard. So there's work to do, and I guess maybe that would be a deal-breaker for some because, you know, you want to like watching the team that you're rooting for as a secondary team on TV. But um, I, I just the, – the aesthetics – there is potential there. So I feel like it could turn around at some point in the coming years. Maybe they'll get wise to the fact that, oh, uh, purple and green are way cooler colors than red, blue, and white like every other team has. Yeah, they, this is uh, this is something Pelicans fans have like said for years. Also, just like the in arena atmosphere and experience is just not like New Orleansy enough when right. you have such a unique city. It's like take advantage of that. But I will counter with one man, and that's Joel Myers, who's calling the game. Yes, I personally think is one of the best in the business. If you're going to be watching yeah. this team a lot, at least you get to listen to him. He's incredible. I was just about to make that point as well. He is awesome. He's uh, he's. He's the uh, Jack Armstrong of uh, play-by-play men. Jack Armstrong for color guys, it kind of is hard to beat for me. Maybe I'm biased, but, like, he has fun with it. He talks about getting loaded all the time on the broadcast. Like, it's amazing. So if Pelicans fans need a reason to tune in, Jack Armstrong is, like, such a ball of energy. He only does half the home games because two different stations split the rights for the Raptors, and uh, Jack only does the TSN games, but... Man, Jack is the best, and also just like the best person in the world. So yeah, the, the, the there's uh, there's Little good things, yeah, right? there's good broadcast components I think to both of these teams as well. Joel Myers, man, that guy rules so hard. So there you guys have it, Pelicans fans. Root for the Raptors here because again, why not? And it's also again, it's not Boston. I think that's a going to be a huge selling point here. <laughs> not the Celtics is my favorite team in the entire NBA. <laughs> 
Here we go, yeah. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, yeah, we made the trade. I love the Raptors. You love the Pelicans. But we don't like them really tonight, I guess, do we? No, no. I I hope the Pelicans lose terribly. I hope... Uh, they all get a one a twenty four hour flu or something and miss the game. No, that's too that's too extreme. I don't want that happening to them. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't I want like, the Pelicans yeah, to win tonight. That, that, that turned dark. Quickly. Yeah, no, the Raptors have a winning streak on the line. They've won six in a row. They have two winning streaks of six plus games already this season. I would like to see them continue that. So yeah, no, I'm not rooting for the Pelicans tonight. It's the one time where the Pelicans aren't my top priority. Yeah, no, which is completely fair. I will say the Pelicans have their own winning streak. It's two games currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so not quite the same. So for Pelicans fans, let's kind of start it this way. What has Toronto been doing well this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, as all of as the stuff. In one team, yes, yeah. which is very general. Yeah, they, they've been doing most of the things pretty well. Um, it's... It's kind of ridiculous. They've even kind of been hurt and been missing some guys, so the bench has been a little bit suspect at times just because there haven't been enough guys to really fill out a good bench unit a lot of nights. But their their starters have been outstanding, and I think it kind of centers around – I mean, all five of them have been incredible. Kyle Lowry is leading the league in assists by a pretty big margin right now, and like the offense is just so easy for him right now. He's just walking into assists. He's finding Serge Ibaka on the roll. He's finding Danny Green for like three or four wing threes every game. And it's just the starting five right now works so well. And it kind of started the year where the Raptors were flipping back and forth a bit between Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka starting at the five. And that is kind of switched, I think, more to Ibaka kind of being that guy aside from a few particular matchups. You know, most of the time Ibaka is going to be starting because if there's one thing that the Raptors have been doing well or one area of the team that's been really good so far that maybe wasn't expected to be so good, it's the front court with Serge Ibaka in it. I don't know if people watched last year's playoffs. He became unplayable against the Cavs. He was yeah. He he, he struggled there for yeah, sure. Yeah, he got benched. He was a disaster. He had no energy. He was just not. It wasn't working with him. And I was really concerned about like what he was going to be able to offer for this year's Raptors team. I even talked myself into him kind of just being a luxury. He was going to play backup center, and that was it. And if he got some minutes and, and did something good with them, great. Instead, he's been like a borderline all-star so far this year. He's had two 30-point games. He had one game where he was 15 of 17 against the Lakers. Uh, excuse me. He... Um, He's had like he's shot he shot the lights out for like he's missed like three shots in all of November essentially and he's shooting a lot he's just been what the Raptors have done is they've kind of cut out any minutes with Serge Ibaka at power forward and that was kind of the thing last year that I think people were clamoring for but it just never happened because of the constitution of the roster maybe some guys weren't ready there weren't enough wings to fill in at the four and Ibaka had to play a lot of power forward and it just didn't work he's been a center for like four years and has never gotten to play center until this year and we're seeing the 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 positive ramifications of moving him to the position he's best at right now because he's hanging out to the rim he's not having to chase guys away from the basket he is is just being able to hang around and be a rim protector and deterrent the way that he kind of made his 
made his money in the NBA. And he's surrounded by so much shooting and space that there's just so much room for him to work. And he's kind of even abandoned three-point shooting. He is not never been like a, a knockdown three-point shooter per se. He's had some nice seasons, but he's always been kind of more of a gadgety stretch, stretch big, I think. And he's kind of just cut that out of his game. And now he's just like purely a roll man. Sometimes he'll pop out for, for a three here and there. But for the most part, he's just been rolling to the basket ferociously. Kyle Lowry's been finding him with pocket pass after pocket pass. And he's just hitting everything right now. And it's been a delight to watch. And then next to him, he's been playing with Pascal Siakam a lot of the time. And I know Pelicans fans are probably familiar with Pascal Siakam considering what he did in the last preseason game. Yep. <laughs> he's been outstanding this season. He's averaging something like, uh, I don't know, 17 or 18 points over the last seven games. He's shooting... His true shooting percentage is in like the high 60s, and he doesn't really take threes or make threes, and his free throw rate's pretty low. He just hits like 67% of his twos because he's like unguardable at this point. He has this one move essentially where he'll swoop in from the right or left wing and do a little spin move and just put a little eight foot push shot up, and it goes in every single time. And I don't really know how teams plan on guarding it. There has not been much of an adjustment to it, even though he's become more of a part of the offense over the last little while here. So the way those two are playing in the front court that I think a lot of people said was maybe the weakness of this team, it's been it's just helped supplement the Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, Danny Green one, two, three combination, which is just lethal at this point. Uh, and it, that starting five is just killing teams right now. It's unstoppable. And that's kind of been the thing the Raptors are doing best. But again, they're not really doing anything poorly. Yeah, there's a reason they're 12-1. And, one. and yeah. the fact that Kawhi Leonard, I think, bounced back quicker than maybe most people were expecting. And he's, he's what, 24.4 points per game, yeah. almost eight rebounds. Like, he's been lights out. How has he looked? I haven't gotten to watch the Raptors a ton, but is he just the usual Kawhi defensively? Yeah, he's insane. Um, he had the game against Ben Simmons where he forced Simmons into 11 turnovers. Um, I think, like, four or five were just him directly picking his pocket. But he was in Simmons' chest the entire night, and Simmons had a terrible game. And, you know, there's still some, you know, lapses here and there. I think they're still kind of learning how to play defense with each other. And on the defense has kind of taken a little bit to come around. They've had some swaths of games where it kind of loses its way a little bit. But when they really buckle down... They're capable of these like five to six minute runs where they absolutely stifle whatever the opposing offense is doing and turn that into just transition three after transition three after dunk after dunk. And, you know, they, they did this in the Celtics game at the start of the season, the ESPN game. You might have seen it. Uh, it was a close game the entire way. And then the last five minutes or so, they really clamped down got a bunch of turnovers, forced a bunch of steals, and turned that into like a 12-1 run to finish the game. They did the same thing against the Sixers a couple weeks ago. They are just capable of just the, the gear they can hit is a gear I've never seen a Raptors team be able to hit. And I do think there are very few teams in the NBA right now, maybe only the Warriors that I've seen so far this year, can hit that gear that the Raptors can find when everything's really humming and they're just pestering and uh, just swallowing teams up on defense and it leads to great offense for them. And when, with the number of shooters they have, with Kyle Lowry's ability to pull up in transition or find uh, you know, Danny Green or Kawhi or, or you know, finding Pascal Siakam on an outlet pass, like they're just deadly in transition and they're just getting so many opportunities out of their defense for that so um Kawhi yeah uh, uh, he's been 
as advertised. This, like, yeah. yeah, he's he's really good. His offense has kind of been a little bit rusty at times, but even then, you'll, you'll, you'll think he's having a rough game, and then he'll come out in the third quarter and drop 15 points, and it's like, oh, yeah, he had a pretty efficient night after all. And it, what's crazy right now is I believe in the Raptors starting five, Kawhi has the worst true shooting percentage, and it's like 60%. Um, like, they're just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're out of this world right now. They're, they're, they're playing out of their minds, and... I don't know if it's, like, entirely sustainable, but also there's not that much with the team that I think is, like, going to really seriously regress. They're only shooting 35% from three as a team right now, which is one of the lower marks in the league. They're better than that. Like, Kyle Lowry's a really good shooter. So is Danny Green. So is Kawhi Kawhi Leonard. Like, they're going to knock down their threes more often, I'm pretty sure. And once that happens, like, it's just... It's really hard to beat this team and, and find ways around them because their defense is such a... It imposes such a floor for them that it's really hard for teams to, you know, there's no margin for error, really. And, you know, it requires really bad shooting nights. Or, in the Raptors' case, Kawhi not playing and Kyle Lowry having his one game where he shot poorly for the Raptors to lose a game. And that was to the Bucks earlier on this year without uh, Giannis or Kawhi playing in that game. So, yeah, uh, Kawhi is uh, as advertised and it's not surprising to me that they're this good with him playing the way he is. Um, as far as the Pelicans go, though, we haven't really talked about the Pelicans. I've just been rambling on about how good the Raptors are. Uh, I think the Pelicans are good. I think they're... They are! Yeah, I think they're good. I think they're closer to the team that started the season 4-0 than they are to the team that went 0-6 in the next six. And there were injuries involved, obviously, there with Anthony Davis missing some games. But, um, like, obviously there are some issues with depth, and that's always going to be a problem. But... The best five guys they can run out are really, really good, and I would put it up against most teams in the league. What are the Pelicans doing well that people can expect to see uh, sort of give the Raptors problems on Monday night? Yeah, you know, so like you said, the the team that started 4-0 versus the next 0-6 stretch they went on, I think they're much closer to that that beginning team. Anthony Davis didn't play in two of those. He was essentially a non-factor in like another two of those, Mm. and he was just very clearly not himself. Alfred Payton being out for all of those, and he's still out. He's listed as day-to-day. I don't know if he's going to be playing in this game. He's also been an oddly important factor for the Pelicans, and without him, their offense hasn't looked nearly the same like it did against the Houston Rockets. He kind of fills that uh, Rondo role for the team from last year of just kind of getting them in transition and right. making the right pass, and they can score that way. And that's what they did through those first four games. We all know the pace with them. They're lightning fast, top five in pace this season uh, after being number one last year, and they want to get out and run. We You've said a couple of things about the Raptors, which terrify me a little bit. One, their <laughs> shooting is so good that this Pelicans team can't really get out in transition and run when you have to inbound the ball because the Raptors defense is going to get back and get right. set. And also, they have not been very perfect like they were to start the year in terms uh, of offense, where it's been a whole lot of turnovers, say the past eight games, two of those being wins, versus the first four-game stretch when they were actually number one in not turning the ball over. So that's kind of been the key to them. If they can just get out and run and let Anthony Davis play kind of instinctively, let Alfred Payton play instinctively, Julius Randle and Drew Holiday kind of leading the way there too. And you've got some shooters in the corners with Namir Titch and Darius Miller, small forward for him. I think that's where they're, they're deadliest. And then in the half court, they can play. At one point, they were number one offense in the half court. 
And that's largely because of Drew Holiday, Alfred Payton, and mainly Anthony Davis, who mm-hmm. can go and get basically any ball and dunk it down off of you. And it's just added so much to his game over the past couple of years. He can score down on the low block and bully you down low, or he can stretch it out and shoot some threes, and he still has that kind of pretty strong mid-range game that he breaks out to in an emergency situation. It's just I don't know really how you defend a guy who can kind of jump like that and shoot the ball like that with that release point. So it largely comes down to that. If he's having a big game, they're a tough team to beat Mm -hmm. though a lot of it right now is they've been beating themselves with turnovers and if as soon as that kind of calms down and getting Alfred Payton back and again if he plays it's huge for the Pelicans in this one if not they might struggle on offense just a little bit more yeah I'm curious to see in particular in this game how the Pelicans rebounding gives the Raptors trouble because if the Raptors do something poorly it's defensive rebound they're one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league right now Uh, I have it here they are the fifth worst team defensive rebounding-wise, and it hasn't really hurt them because a lot of times when they're giving up these defensive rebounds, they're getting the stop on the ensuing possession anyway because their defense is so good. But obviously against the Pelicans, when you have Julius Randle and Nikola Mirotic and obviously Anthony Davis, they're eighth right now in offensive rebounding percentage themselves. They're one of the better rebounding teams overall, fifth right now in total rebounding percentage. Um, I'm curious to see how that is going to give the Raptors problems because we haven't really seen that much of like Serge Ibaka being challenged by whoever he's starting against. I'm assuming he's going to start against against Anthony Davis. I'm not exactly sure what the Raptors' plan for guarding him is going to be. We might see some Pascal Siakam on him because Siakam kind of guards everybody and he might be able to hang with Davis a little bit better and maybe they'll stick Ibaka on Randall or whoever they have at the four. Um, That would be an interesting little X's and O's thing to watch. But I'm curious to see how the offensive rebounding in general, and just rebounding in general, is going to affect this game. Because that is, if there is an advantage the Pelicans have, that is a significant one, I think, considering the the personnel they're going to have on the court most of the time. And just sort of, I think the Raptors would rather have Ibaka up against Davis than Jonas Valanciunas, just because I don't know if Jonas can really hang defensively with Anthony Davis. That's going to be a fascinating thing for me to watch. Uh, so the, the rebounding is going to be important for this team. They do kind of live off of those second-chance points at times, and I think their rebounding, this is a change from years past where they basically just seemed like they were allergic to it or it was going to make them sick here and didn't ever go out after offensive boards, and then they just realized how damn effective it is when you have guys like Julius Randle and Nikola Mirotic. They've been experimenting with that uh, all at the same time and the early returns are pretty good I'm sure we'll see some of it in this game though we haven't seen it a ton this year I just want to see more of that because it's it's like a big death lineup almost or something mm-hmm. it should be a lot of fun um, so that's definitely going to be kind of a big factor in all of it I'm curious if, if the Raptors might use Kawhi Leonard on Anthony Davis he does the one time you can kind of get him to struggle I guess defensively is if you put a guy who can kind of keep up with his athleticism which Kawhi can he's got the length and kind of the strength to not necessarily get bullied down low is that something you've seen kind of the Raptors do or maybe you that you expect in this game yeah, I don't think they've played someone like Anthony Davis because there's not really anyone like Anthony Davis. We haven't really seen what they'll do in that situation yet. But Nick Nurse, the Raptors coach, has talked about, yeah, like we got Kawhi to guard all these guys. Like we got him to guard Jimmy Butler. We got him to guard Giannis. And I would assume Anthony Davis falls under that category. So we'll see because the Raptors do have enough guys. And, you know, Pascal Siakam in particular is – versatile enough on D that you can throw him on somebody else and he'll be just fine. I mean, he's guarded wings this season. He's guarded point guards in the past. He shut down John Wall for big swaths of the playoffs last year. Like, he can guard anybody. So that gives you a little bit of flexibility if you want to try to throw your big horse in Kawhi up against Anthony Davis. 
the the fact that you just mentioned that sounds really fun and interesting to me, and I want to watch that happen. So I hope that's the way they go because that sounds awesome. Um, and you know, you're right about Kawhi being just. The, I think that's the thing I've noticed most watching Kawhi this season. And like I'd watched Kawhi before, but watching him every day, it's different, obviously. And just the the strength that he has, he is just so much stronger than everybody, and powers through contact for for buckets he can fight through anything on defense like he's incredible to watch from that perspective so maybe he is the guy to throw up against anthony davis like that the raptors haven't played for uh it'll be a day off on yeah they, they didn't play sunday so it's not like they're on a back-to-back or anything like that um so maybe they'll just be like all right Kawhi, go out there and do it and that's been the one really encouraging thing as they've rested Kawhi and he missed those couple games with the ankle injury, you know, there were people, I think, maybe a little bit concerned about his health and, you know, the, the, the concerns creeping in and letting the stress get to their heads. But I think the fact that in the games that Kawhi's played, he's played a lot and has been asked to do a lot, I, I that gives me confidence that they won't feel any trepidation about throwing him on Anthony Davis for, you know, whatever, wear and tear concerns. Because the thing about the Raptors' offense is that even if Kawhi is expending a ton of energy guarding Anthony Davis, they have enough like on their all of their other options to put together a really good offense, even if Kawhi has a bit of a sort of lower usage night because he's spending so much time guarding Davis. So that would be fascinating to me. Those are the type of things that have given him trouble historically. Like A guy like Trevor Ariza guards him really well, and it's something the Rockets have done in years past, and they obviously missed that in the opening game, and I think that's one of the reasons he had such a monster game against that team on opening night. So, you know, Kawhi Leonard's a better version of that, so it's like, okay, maybe I, I would expect that we'll see him on there, hope that we won't, and that it'll kind of be that. Before we get to wrap this up, though, we have not mentioned, say, what's going to be maybe the more fun one-on-one battle in this one, which is probably going to be between Drew Holiday and your point guard and Kyle Lowry, Mm because I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Also, Lowry's hit some big shots against the Pelicans, as he does every team, but in particular New Orleans over the past couple of years. Yeah, this is one of those matchups where I think both guys have trouble guarding the other. Like, Drew Holiday's had some enormous games against the Raptors, too. Uh, if I recall, he had like 35 in a game last season. In a game you know what, which, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you did. I think Davis kind of struggled, too. I think, if I recall, Jonas actually had a pretty decent night guarding him. And then I think they put OG Ananobi on him for a bit, too. And it was, like, surprisingly effective. But Drew Holiday had a monster game. And I think it was pretty close by the end. I think the Raptors pulled it out. But it was a close game. And Holiday went nuts. And... I think Lowry, he's got he's a very good defensive point guard, but he's also six feet tall. So there are certain kind of guys who really bother him. John Wall usually has his way with him, although John Wall this season is sad and not having his way with anybody. Um, and everything in yeah, going on with the Wizards dear, is sad right the now. The worst, but the worst, but also the best because I enjoy it uh, greatly from from afar. Um, but. With uh, with Holiday, like the size and the quickness, I think that's going to give Kyle some trouble. But that's the thing with the Raptors is that they might throw Danny Green on, on, on Drew Holiday and see how that works because they can kind of throw people all over the place. Maybe they'll stick Kyle on Etwan Moore or something to kind of have him, you know, hidden a little bit on defense. Or the Raptors might just rely on DeLon Wright, for example, who is capable of guarding anybody from one through three, essentially. And so they have options for sure. They, they have guys they can throw at Holiday if he's having one of those nights, maybe in a way that they haven't in the past because, you know, Danny Green is just such a luxury to have at this point. I still don't understand how the Raptors got him but yeah so that that should be really fun but even on the other side like Kyle seems to have his way with Drew Holiday a lot of the time too and I'm curious to see how Kyle's going to approach this game in particular because you know he's it's a it's a team that is extremely stout inside and 
like Anthony Davis's rim protection is incredible. Kyle's been doing a much better job of penetrating the defense and not even so much going for his own shot, but like doing the Steve Nash thing where he'll like navigate the paint and just find a cutter and it usually leads to a dunk. So just how he navigates the 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 impo- the imposition that is Anthony Davis on everyone's you know best laid plans. I, I I'm curious to see how that's all going to work. This should be a fun one. It's like kind of quirky rosters that don't really match up in traditional ways. So I, I I'm ex- I'm curious to see exactly how much in the way of like X's and O's Nick Nurse dives into. He's been pretty liberal with like just using all of this stuff and seeing how it works. And he's not like holding stuff back or anything like that. He's very experimental. He's very willing to try stuff out. So we might see some weird stuff in terms of how they guard Drew Holiday tomorrow. Yeah, I, and and I hope we try and beat that because <laughs> they, they need the win. But yeah, so you know, good luck for the rest of the season. But hope you lose in in this game here, and then yeah, Pelicans fans root for the Raptors every other time. <laughs> yeah, again, the the Pelicans are cool. Joel Myers rules. The uh, city jerseys look awesome. Uh, Anthony Davis is insanely fun to watch. I have been fantasy too, which is nice. It's the only time I've ever cared about fantasy is having him on my team. It rules. Uh, Drew Holiday's fun. Julius Randle is. It's fun to watch him not be on the Lakers. That's always cool. Yeah, the Pelicans rule. This podcast ruled, by the way, Jake. This was a lot of this fun. Was, this was. Yeah, I enjoyed doing this one. Um, so we got a good preview in here. We've given you another team to root for. Also, I like your city jerseys too. The ones they just showed the white ones I, yeah. I kind of dug those too they were clean simple which i was just mm. enough i did a podcast about this last week i'm not overly impressed or thrilled i'm kind of over the gold i want purple back in my life and uh i guess the the, the theme of this podcast is i like purple <laughs> there, there we, now it all makes sense just have more teams with purple that that, that is the, the the way of the future in the nba i think <laughs> All right, John. Thanks for for taking the time. This was good. We'll have to do this again later on in the year. Absolutely. And everyone, make sure you're subscribing to, rating, and reviewing all of the Locked On podcasts, whether it's NBA, NFL, uh, college as well. There's a podcast for you and a host that uh, is, is also for you with a local perspective on all of the sports stories and teams that you care about. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find both of these shows on their own separate iTunes pages and feeds. Um, I'm at Woodley Sean on Twitter if you want to check me out there. Jake, you are at Nola Jake, is that correct? Yep, at Nola Jake. I keep it easy. That's a, that's a good handle. That, that, that's a, You must have had to fight for that one because I feel like a lot of Jakes in New Orleans would have, would have been after that. <laughs> I Now, half the time, that's what I get called when people see me down here. <laughs> and I, like, I don't have any other name. It's not Jake Madison. It's Nola Jake. So it worked <laughs> out really well, I guess. Well, that's, uh, that's good. It will work out really well if you follow Jake on Twitter as well. So make sure you're doing that. And then subscribing to all the Lockdown Podcasts. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.